welcome to the Clear Tai Chi Mastermind meeting for Friday, December the, what is today? The 18th. Uh, the uh, topic today is Clear Tai Chi 12 Essential Points. And if you want to see the video on that, um, I'll go ahead and promote that to you now, um, where you can go and purchase that. And it's at uh, www.12essentialpoints.com and that's 1212essentialpoints.com or 12t-w-e-l-v-e-essentialpoints.com 12, and we're going to be talking about the essential points pretty much for this whole call and Zoom conversation and so if you have questions about it, hopefully some of what we'll, we'll tell you here will answer that. If you're wanting to actually see the material and get into it and do some of the stuff, then uh, then go to the 12essentialpoints.com. All right. Um, before we go any further, let me introduce everybody today that's with us and here on the call. And starting off with Art Don in the Washington, D.C. area. He can tell you what parts. Hi everyone, Art Don, Greenbelt, Maryland. That is about 12 or 13 miles east of Washington, D.C. Welcome. Thank you. Ty Talbert in Colton, California. And he can tell you what areas he's servicing there. Oh, your mute's on, Ty. Also serving Redlands and Riverside, California. Uh, we're presently and lockdown, but that should be over within about a week. Cool. And then welcome. And then Harry Leg in Verona, New Jersey, outside of New York City. Hello there, Sifu. You can still eat in, indoors here, 25% capacity. That's in New Jersey, but not in New York. Yeah, that is correct. Yes. Welcome, welcome. And Phil Chan in Columbus, Georgia. Hello, all. Welcome. Sheila Bell in Costa Rica. She can tell you which parts. Hello, everyone. I am giving classes in Playas del Coco, in Playa Panama, and in Liberia, all in the province of Guanacaste, Costa Rica. Good to be here. Welcome, welcome. Matt Holker in uh, Maryville, Tennessee, and uh, outside of Knoxville, Tennessee. Hi, everybody. Um, parked in my car in the only place in Maryville I could find that got cell phone reception. Which would be behind the school. That's right. <laughs> I think I'm hijacking the Wi-Fi, actually. I, I, I would guess. Yep. Welcome, welcome. And myself, your host, of course, Richard Clear. Woo. And Jeremy Keeble, uh, one of our office staff here and, and uh, agent of chaos. No, agent of Clear Tai Chi. Yeah. Okay. The uh, Welcome, welcome. Good to be here. And uh, so, like I told you before at the beginning there, our topic today is the, is the 12 essential points. We did a workshop on that uh, last weekend. The, uh, and so the first thing I wanted to do was get any of your thoughts on the, uh, you know, what you got, what you didn't get, what surprised you, what, what you liked, um, anything in the points that you find particularly essential or that you talk to other people about or that when you're showing your students that kind of thing. 
And so uh, let's see. Art, I guess we can start with you. Well, um, I found the point you made of uh, sinking the chi into the root very helpful. It just helped me uh, solidify my my stance and rooting and um, just more more substantial throughout the body as far as feeling energy, you know, from from my head into the ground. And it was something that I mean, certainly wouldn't have occurred to me. I know there's there's a lot of new information here, but um, other than just trying to go through the process of rooting deeper, it gave me more um, more of substance, so to speak, to work with to, to sinking. And I um, felt it was uh, just an extremely helpful concept. Um, cool. Besides just a reminder to relax more. Yeah, so some of what you've been working on there, but then it took it to another level is what I'm hearing you say. Right, yes. Yeah. Um, now, when you're moving and doing it yourself, would you say that you're feeling that or you're just aware of it as you're, like if you're trying to do something with it? Um, I, I'm feeling it as I'm moving and aware of it because at this point I'm not trying so much to do something with it as to, to develop the, the feeling overall sort of to have it where when I do something with it, it will be more substantial, but trying to, to really build it up first, actually. So. so would you say the sensation of chi itself is thicker or would you say that it's more of a body, like body mass substance kind of a thing or both? I would say both, really. It's just sort of all going together. The more mass I feel, the more energetic and more strong I feel throughout the body. So it's um, just working everything well. Cool. It's such a um, simple thing that it surprised me that it was something new to me and that I'm constantly working on breathing and my breathing had been, you know, whole body breathing, but I hadn't been concentrating on bringing it all the way down to the bone marrow. And so I think I was probably breathing on a level of taking it down to the bone, but not to the bone marrow. To the yin chi level. Yeah. is what they would yes. call it nutritive chi and so you and so this got across to you the idea to make it go deeper yes uh, was there some kind of a nuanced aspect that really clicked that in or was it just that you needed to take it there i just needed to take it there i i mean i probably have heard you say it two or three times before and um usually we're just overwhelmed with new new information so sometimes even like with the workshops you have to attend it two or three times and each time you pick up something new and that was one of those things where it's like i know i've heard this before but i haven't been doing it sure yeah okay so sifu in regards to that 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 really interests me um so you can you can breathe into the bone marrow by breathing through your nose yeah. and you can also breathe into the bone marrow by breathing in through the skin okay yeah 
And I thought I understand you to say that if breathing it through the skin is something that comes relatively easy, then that would be ideal. the preferred method. Yeah, it'd be ideal, but it's but most of the time it takes people a while to get to that. Okay, but if you can do it, that that would be ideal. Yep. And it's something you'd want to do when you're doing form, because you want to do whole body breathing when you're doing form. That's right. And um, if you're sinking the chi all the way down through so that you get it all down into the root, that's going to help with that quite a bit because then it's going to be that it's all the way down through you. And, and that combined with really great sun, the softness, that's going to make a big difference to being able to get that all the way in there like that. And then, of course, it's not just that you're doing that through the tissues, but that you're feeling it through your whole being. And so that's where you're getting into getting into the bone marrow as well, that way. So as I understand it, you're breathing into the skin, it's getting into the bone marrow, and then it's going down into your roots. Yep. And then it may, you know, it may or may not be that you're actually breathing in through the skin, uh, but you want it to feel like you are. Okay. I'm letting people know that at home. So if they're going, breathe through your skin, what? No, you breathe through your nose and your, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> your skin, right? So I think something, the air goes in your nose, but I think energetically it could ease, you know, it makes perfect sense for the energy to go through the skin. That's right. Well, and also you're feeling it with your mind. And so Chinese medicine 101 is that the mind leads and the chi follows your mind. Yeah. And then the physical follows the energy, the chi, right? And so right. you feel it coming in through the skin everywhere and going all the way to bone marrow. That's your mind. Well, the energy will follow what your mind is doing. And then your physical will also follow suit to that. And, and then the, the next part is as much as possible, the kinds of things we do in form, if we can do them throughout the day, that's a good thing. So if we can remember, and if it's possible, would we want to do this whole body breathing through the skin and down the root throughout oh, the day? Is that a good thing? Yeah, if you can do that as your regular, um, if you can do that as your normal throughout the day, that's that's going to be, you know, as long as everything's calm enough and, yeah. and all that, then yeah, it's really super healthy for you. Okay, cool. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. Ty, what else were you going to say about that? Or No, I actually, Phil made me think about that and that when I'm having people learn how to do whole body breathing or breathing through the skin, as you mentioned, I, I start them this doing it standing then while they're doing Tai Chi walking, then when they're doing the form, then I mentioned they need to go ahead and do it when they're doing push hands and then just, just that natural progression. Yep. Point number 12 is all about that, the standing and the moving and doing your form and freestyle walking around and then the push hands um, and tests of your posture and structure and, and you know, proper, proper things going on. And then, um, and then it's push hands test while you're moving and, and stepping and all that. And then, and then actually freestyle fighting practice done very slow motion at first, but then built up over time. So that it really is Tai Chi, uh, but that you're really able to use it fully. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Remember that it starts at the beginning with very calm mind 
And that calm mind would be part of what I'd be looking for if I'm doing it throughout the day. If things are frenetic and all that, it's not that I'm trying to get so that I'm breathing up in my head, you know, this kind of a thing, but I'm not trying to do deep into my bone marrow and do this thing that's really systemic and calming through as much if my mind is, is frazzled, this kind of a thing, right? I'm going to be trying to breathe well enough all the time that I'm more likely and testing it and building it while doing the other stuff that I'm more likely to be breathing correctly. What I guess I'm telling you is, is that I don't want to be breathing deep into my bone marrow and I'm all kind of agitated, upset, um, you know, uh, discombobulated, you know, you get the idea. You want that calmness. And so calmness needs to come first. And so that is the very first item on the list is that your ye is calm, centered, aware, and ready. And then ideally you're fully, whenever you're doing Tai Chi with it, that you're fully present in the moment while you're doing it. And then this breathing and sinking the Chi or sinking the Chi and then the breathing and those kinds of things. But, and so your structure ideally is really, really good too. But you get the idea and that's point two. All right. Um, Could I just add on, on that point? Um, I find with, when I start with, a relatively calm mind, of course, as I do the whole body breathing, that sort of helps me bring the mind into the body and um, no extraneous thoughts come in. So the, the whole body breathing is sort of calming also. Yeah, they mutually feed each other, absolutely. Right. Yes, yeah. Ty, is there anything that you've talked to any of the students about that you um, I know you guys are locked down right now due to coronavirus, but the, uh, is there anything, I know you've talked to some of the students on the phone or through Zoom and all that kind of thing. Anything out of the points that you really emphasize or that you found was really particularly helpful to the students? No, I, I just really um, gave them all of the epiphanies that I got from it. And um, there's probably four or five, but one of just very basic things was the, the breathing. What are the, some of the other ones that you got out of it or that really stand out to you? Um, again, um, going back to making sure that there's a systematic way to train each thing and sure. that um, you start at just standing and then you move on to form and then you move on to push hands, then you move on to using it for fighting. So yeah. that was one of the other major epiphanies. Cool. And in our system, we tend to do it a little bit not quite backwards, but a lot of times publicly, if people have met with this live or done the push hands, then they'll get the push hands earlier than they'll get the form. But it still starts with that standing, making sure that the stuff is going on and then keeping it while you're doing the internal push hands and then making it so that you can do all kinds of other activities with it. And so again, it, it kind of grows out into the other areas. So absolutely. Uh, Harry? Well, uh, one of the best things that you do repeatedly, Sifu, in all the various programs is you have things build upon each other to create the whole, ultimately. Um, and each of the, the 12 points that you've laid out, um, when you follow that and you do that and you get the quality to whatever degree you're capable of, you know, as you're learning it and, and practicing it, um, uh, gives you a greater feeling of oneness. Your whole body is connected. Uh, and so for me, going through it again uh, in the workshop um, did exactly that for me. And now 
learning not only uh, mind and body coming together and not being disjointed, but the beginnings of learning to have spirit as well, mm. being part of that um, was really uh, uh, the thing for me um, that shines the most. Um, and then the challenge, uh, echoing Ty, the challenge of having to do it while standing and moving and doing your form and pushing hands and freestyle fighting and, and all of that, which of course is quite a challenge to maintain that. But um, obviously that's the goal or one of the goals. So um, that's, that's my take and in, in what I really enjoyed from it. Um, yeah. Once you've done some of that and you have that going on and the calmness is there and the full body breath and the body, mind and spirit integration are going on, then you start, one of the things that will happen is you'll start actually learning to listen. Your spirit will tell you things like if there's something that's dangerous, like you're in a car driving down the road and there's going to be an accident in a few minutes. I don't mean right now or even 30 seconds from now, but a few minutes, you will start to get a sense of it. And the trick, and most of us do, and the trick is, can you hear it? And can you under, interpret and understand the message that's being given to you? And if you can learn to tap into that, then it does become that you can really avoid some pretty nasty things based on that. Um, wow. yeah. I'm gonna make a note here. So avoiding car crashes, yeah. yeah that's uh, a good thing. Yes, it is. And of course, uh, being able to feel like for us out here in the National Park in the Smokies, being able to feel the bear comes out of that too. Sure. Uh, which by what I mean is, is that, you know, if you came up on a bear really close and all of a sudden, uh, it can be a bad situation. And so by learning to do this, my daughter is, is good at it, um, the uh, Carly. And um, it's that you can feel the bear and be 10 minutes down the trail, 15 minutes down the trail from the bear where you're not seeing that bear right now to get the feel of, hey, that's, that's, there's a bear up ahead and that you now know to proceed more cautiously. Um, and, and it's accurate. Uh, we've tested it out repeatedly. Um, and so it is doable, but it, but it does involve being able to feel that um, and perceive that and then to know what it is that you're perceiving and so that with all the principles put together then it starts lending itself to those kinds of things yep go ahead what else you got there harry well in feeling the bear i'm assuming that that's very much similar to feeling the mind of say your training partner or whatever so you you know what that feels like and the various yeah. things that you're feeling that's in your mind it becomes that for sure in the training. Yeah. Right. You learn to feel and recognize that there's a bear's mind nearby. Yeah. A bear's mind or spirit or whatever it is. Yes. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Absolutely. The difference is that your partner's mind usually feels uh, like people feel, right? Depending on what they're thinking and how they're thinking it and all those things. And a bear feels a little different. Uh, typically, it's, it's definitely got another frequency that it's working on that's once you've felt it and are aware, really know what that is, it's, it's unmistakable. Okay. You feel, if, when you feel it again, you'll know, hey, that's what that is. I would assume uh, while it may feel different, you could do some of that practice feeling the mind of really any animal, a dog, a cat. Um... Yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah, they do definitely feel different than a bear. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, great. Thank you. So, Sifu, that's, that's really interesting. So, I guess an angry bear feels different than just uh, 
a bear well, that's eating. Well, the first time that I a felt hungry bear. The first, yeah, the first time I felt it where I really knew there was something unusual or that really, you know, kind of made sure that I, I would, it was unmistakable to me, was a hungry bear. And, ah. and I didn't see the bear, but I knew, like, I could just feel something's off, something's off. This is not good, right? And, I, and it was definitely a <clears throat> kind of a feeling. And Carly, we were on a path and she had just gotten to that age as a toddler where she was exploring things and looking around and I was probably 500 600 feet away from her like like a little bit of space and like basically a sit a normal city small city block away from her and I felt this and I'm looking around I don't see anything and I quickly go over and pick her up and as I'm picking her up I look at like so I'm on the trail let's say that I'm going north to south well east to west from her at about not quite a football field away, but but half a football field, three quarters of a football field away. There is a full size bear standing up, eagle eyeing her, uh, like food. And I picked her up, and we started moving our way up the trail, and it tracked along parallel to us until it hit a point where it couldn't. And as soon as it was out of sight, I didn't run at first because because they'll they'll come after you. The uh, I I walked it, but but briskly. And the uh, and once we got where it hit like a thicket and, it, and I couldn't see it and I can tell it couldn't quite figure out, you know, couldn't see us, then I ran and got out there. But I didn't forget the feeling and was able and my teachers had talked about it and then was able to do it from there. So, yeah. So my guess is this is this is also related to the whole issue of receptors. Yeah, well, I mean, there's definitely that's a receptor at the level of either spirit or a certain aspect of mind. Mm -hmm. And so one kind of a, yeah, it's, and it's everything is a frequency or a vibration of a sort. And it's learning how to tap into that in certain kinds of ways. And to do it where it's not um, making you not able to function or crazy or something, right? There's There's some really practical ways to go about that and to use that and to integrate it as a part of fully living as opposed to what some people do when they get enough mind stuff or enough spirit stuff, they kind of go off the deep end. And so our system in Tai Chi is very good about this. And as a rule, when they have this kind of information, Tai Chi as a system does a really good job of integrating that and keeping the person as a whole person, as opposed to there are definitely um, other schools, styles, Chinese methods, uh, and temples, as a fact, um, where they kind of get into things where you basically can't live in society anymore because your mind ends up uh, out of whack. And Tai Chi really is looking for that balance of your whole person. Um, and the, the, the essential points are doing a good job of laying out what you would want to do to do that, that you can pretty easily get to where you know if you're going off the reservation like that or if you're really doing the things that are going to be really beneficial to you body and health and all of that and your mind and a sharper mind and a keener mind and a, um, a more uh, disciplined mind and then your spirit um, as well and awake but interactive and that kind of stuff sure um, cool Harry um, what else? I know you've talked to some different people and, and since we had the workshop and on a number of different topics and things, other things that kind of came through to you or when you were interacting with somebody that you talked to them about or 
told them or that because you were sharing um, sort of taught, you know, came directly through the 12 essential points, but were in addition to, um, you understand what I'm asking you? Um, yeah, the thing that seems to come up uh, the, the most uh, amongst my students uh, is the whole body breathing. Um, and they want to make sure that they're understanding what that is and, and how to do that. So I, I am now taking something. I love teaching the whole body breathing. Um, it's one of my favorite things. And, and, and when you can push hands, put hands on and feel, see, I'm not breathing through my knees. Now I am. Feel the difference just as a, a good example. Then they go, oh, wow. But one of the things that I'm doing now I've taken from your advanced healing workshop, and that's because every, every, all of my students have root, uh, you know, to a degree, and now I'm having them breathe into their root. Yeah. And when they figure that out, I go, wow, so now you don't have a problem getting to your feet and your ankles, do you? No. So that's what I've added to the whole body breathing uh, training. Yeah, well, they're sinking the chi, good, that principle, and then they're doing the breath like that as well for the whole body breathing and all the way through. Then it starts to follow that that would be another logical step and yeah. it becomes um fairly easily um integrated certainly at that level of training and so there it's pointed out but it's the hope is is that a lot of people would kind of have figured that out not because somebody else taught it to them but because they're starting to do the principles correctly the essential points and then it, and then it's going to naturally follow if they're doing the points that that's going to become like just a logical next next thing that they're doing because the points are going to be leading them towards that um, that training that method of doing things that that uh, yeah you get the idea yeah cool thank you um, oh yeah the, uh, so, yeah go ahead so I think I what I heard you saying was or what what I'm trying to extrapolate in terms of something that I could explain to somebody else. So one thing that came to mind was to both foster the whole body breathing and also to strengthen the root. One thing you could do is you could sink root and sink, breathe and sink up, the chi itself too. Sink the root and then breathe up from the bottom of the root to fill your whole body. Right. Like and breathing from the bottom of the lungs, but you're breathing from the bottom of the root. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, and then, so you inhale, you can breathe in from the bottom of the root, you could come up, you could fill the marrow, and then you could exhale back down. And and it would seem that that would, that would be a way to develop the whole body breathing and also to strengthen the root. It is, and also when you're breathing in, it's not that you would just breathe into the root, you are breathing in from where it's pulling in from the body everywhere to fill to there. Ah, okay. And then it does come in ideally to your core completely so that it is coming in through the root, not sorry, not through the root, through the bone marrow on the breath in. And softly, I mean, if you're having a struggle to do it, then you're not ready for that yet. Take the other points, the relaxing more, the as being the most important on for that to start with. Really excellent structure. Um, Zongding, you know, with the central equilibrium and the head suspended. Um and then the sensitivity and being soft enough that you can be sensitive and then breathing in with that soft and easy, not forced in any way. Right. And then, and then the sinking the chi and doing that. So, yeah. So, so you'd be breathing both, both from the bottom of the room and also through the skin. 
Yes. Yeah, you're breathing to the bottom, kind of like if you breathe in, you know, you started off from here and it came in deep and then back out. Well, it's that, but it's to the bottom of the root like that. So do you want to, if you're doing that, do you want to do screen breathing at the same time or just, just. Yeah, yes, at the same time. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, it's, it's that, you know, I use the one where it's like you're, if you've been underwater, been underwater, been underwater, it's not like you come above the water and go, right? It's that you've been underwater, been underwater, you come up and that, and so you filled up from there and it filled in three. Well, for the Tai Chi, it's no, you're not needing that sudden bunch of air like that. And so your tongue's on the roof of the mouth, front, you know, you're doing all the Wu Chi principles. And, and so your, your body is uh, a proper vessel you're breathing in through the nose, you're feeling the breath come into the skin, but it is very softly, very gently, without impediment. Again, there is a development thing here too. So if you're not ready for that yet, you've got to do some of the ones that come before that and build to it anyways. And then sinking the chi down through you and feeling the air very softly, but whole system wide going to there. And then it's a flow in and out while being very soft um, to do it. And that softness is, is one of the more key things. In fact, at the higher level, your body feels very transparent in a certain kind of way. And you feel the, the air moving through if you want to. Um, and because it can be slow enough and soft enough that it just feels that it's there. And if you did move there, then you can tell, but otherwise it's just that it's full the whole time. Somebody checking, they'll be, they may even like, when I'm doing it most times, when I check my breath, they would think I wasn't breathing at all. They'd have to really check. But if they check where they, if they check, if they can feel by having like the internal push hands and they're pushing on my body and they feel that, they'll be like, okay, you're full of hot air. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> no, but they'll feel that the whole system all the way down in the root is filled with the air as well, that I'm getting fully oxygenated the whole time, but in a very pleasant, soft kind of way. So it's full, but it's also soft. Is that, yeah. Cool. Harry, anything else? I know you interact with people on other things there. Nope, all good. Okay. The- uh, Sifu? Yeah. Um, going back to how you um, feel animals, yeah. And I have coyotes and mountain lions here, but oh, the way yeah. I practice that actually, because um, I came with a certain amount of skill before I met you, um, being able to feel snipers. But now, what I do is I practice it when I'm on the highway, and I find that if there's somebody, a police officer who's actively looking for speeders, I can feel them. That's right. And um, I'm, I'm confident I'm about it now. You break the law, by the way, but <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> but I'm confident about it now because I have a, a wife with a lead foot and she'll ask me, do you feel anything? <laughs> yeah, now like, yes, you know. acceleration. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, but yeah, I've, I've definitely uh, been able to feel the, the uh, uh, law enforcement looking for speeders. Um, I've got coyotes here and I have felt them. It's interesting because they've got a quieter, 
they've got a very quiet kind of a of a signature. It's almost yeah. like a dog, but quieter than the average dog. I don't know if it's because they're sneaking around or what's going on with that. I've seen them out in the park and tried to feel for them, and you almost feel void where they're at. Yes, them, them, and rabbits. Yeah, it's an interesting feeling. Um, yeah, same, same kind of thing. Yes, mm. which I would the rabbit. I get that makes sense why the rabbit's trying to like not let any not be on the radar, right? But the for the coyote, I would have figured it would have been a little more aggressive than that. Yeah. The uh, now the mountain lion, I got to think that's going to be a different signature than the bear, but it's going to feel like maybe the bear with some, rah, you know, whether that be hunger, hunger or or a cat stalking coming to get you kind of a thing going on but it's going to have a different have you felt one where you knew you were feeling uh yes the the energy i haven't felt that so is the energy on that going to be a bit more electric uh, it's going to have yeah 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 the bear feels very electric but a very specific frequency on it and kind of a higher frequency like when you think of bear i think of heavy and lumbering but the energy that tells me that that's a bear it's it is alarming. It has a, a, a definite, you should be careful now, feel is, is the signal I, like it's, it's, it feels not quite threatening, but boy, kind of. Um, anyways, with the mountain lion, I'm guessing you're getting something there that's equally um, threatening, for lack of a better way to put it, in terms of how the signal would feel to you as a human being. Unfortunately, I should say, I haven't felt a bear, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, for you in California, it's grizzlies, right? Uh, no, we have some black bears too, but usually they only come down when there's a fire. Then I know basically stay off the trails. If there's a fire nearby, all the mountain lions and bears are coming down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the difference between a black bear and a, and a uh, grizzly, I've, I've gathered, at least the brown bear that we've got, is the ones we've got, if you can make enough noise, enough people, and raise your arms up and do things right. And this is not for like a female with cubs, that's a different ball game. Then you need to avoid that and carefully make sure they know you're not a threat and get out of there. Uh, but if you've got bear without that coming at you at all, if there's enough of a group, you make enough racket, you can, you know, throw, earlier, throw things at them earlier in the thing or take, I've seen the Rangers here take great like eight foot poles and they'll have a pole and they're smacking the ground real hard and they're kind of corralling the bear out of, they did this to get a bear out of the camping area. And they did it where you could tell they've been trained how to do it. Um, do not try this on your own untrained, by the way. It's a good way to get eaten by a bear. Uh, anyways, but grizzly, I'm told, the only thing you can do is run. And you're probably not getting away if it's coming after you. But everything else is you're still lunch. You're just lunch sooner than if you had ran. The, uh, and so they're they're different. That You tried any of the tactics that you're using with the brown bear and the, and the grizzly kind of has a chuckle at your expense that sounds like rawr, and, the, uh, and then you become lunch. But anyways, the, uh, yeah. All right, so uh, good, good deal. Um, and then we're talk- when we're talking about the spirit thing, obviously we're talking about something that's, for us, intermediate level and then going into advanced level stuff um that that most tai chi has even if people are not familiar with it but it's not a beginner skill so if you came in going hey that's that's what i want day one uh you better have a lot of training in the mind and body and and a lot of people think they've got a lot of training and then when you start really teaching them stuff not as much so all i'm saying is don't come in the door as a person that doesn't know a whole lot asking for that on day one you're going to be we're going we're to do what anybody else would do it's easier to go somewhere from i don't know what you're even talking about to 
to, yeah, that's a thing. We have it three years from now. We can get into that discussion if you train like you're supposed to train. Otherwise, you're kind of wasting your time there and, you're, and you don't have enough of the fundamental skills going on and the fundamentals become the high level and then lead to a lot of other high level skills. But you do have to, it's not like you can just pick and choose. I want this super high level thing. I don't have to do anything else to get there. There is a process. And the 12 essential points get you to that process directly. Yeah, so cool. All right, um, Phil, you've asked questions and made good points there, but what else? Um, you, you saw the 12 essential points and the one that really got you fired up was or, or interested or psyched or, or whatever you want to call it was how to do with the receptors and whatnot right <laughs> that and also the whole body the whole body breathing and and the possibility that you know i can do it at will which is really cool but i don't have it where it's automatic Yep. And so one of the ways to practice is to do that practice where you're doing it three to six, seven, eight, nine times a day. Okay. And where you're not, not trying to do it like I'm doing this for an hour, right? You're doing it where I'm doing this for a minute or two, maybe even five minutes. And then, um, but not enough to be a strain to you, not enough to be really a problem. And what you're working on is how quickly can I make it that I want to start doing that and I'm doing that. And at some point it'll be this, you start thinking it, now you start doing it and it'll be much like in the beginning, you might really have to prep and, and relax and structure and all sorts of things that are in the 12 essential points to get there. Eventually your ability to turn those on is as soon as you think it, you're doing it yeah. and you're able to get there, you know, you're able to get into the, into the right mindset and the right position and all that stuff. And you're able to get there pretty instantly. And then you, when you turn it on, it goes from maybe the first few times you're doing this thing, it's taking you minutes or longer, you know, if you first learn it longer, and then you build up to where you're doing it and hey, it takes me 10, 15, 20 seconds to kind of get everything online and get it going on. And, and then I have to think about it. And then it'll become, hey, you're starting to think it, and boom, 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 that however many seconds that was, two or three, and you're doing it to, at some point, it'll be, you think about doing it, now you're doing it. And it's, it's, it's quick, right? And so, um, and then once you've got that, you'll find that as you keep doing this, where you're doing it throughout the day, you do it at breakfast, lunch, dinner, when you first get up, um, just before you go to bed, um, you know, other times throughout the day, if you're standing in line somewhere, if you're, you know, the 24 seven Qigong principles that work there anyways, and then you'll start finding that anytime you start thinking about it, I like one of my early ones was I would get very tense when I first started driving. This is when I was really, I took my stuff in, in high school for driving and all that, but I didn't start really driving a car only in driving a car until I was 21. And when I first got on a highway, a lot of kids, uh, young people, they get behind the wheel of a car and they really don't get how life-threatening it is, how dangerous it really is. And so they tend to drive a little bit more, you know, wildly and, and faster and not as much of a worry about some traffic and all that thing, unless they get in an accident or two and then they kind of get smarter about it. I didn't have to get in the accident or two to be like, this is really dangerous and really scary and really all that stuff. So I didn't care for driving very much, but I, it would make me very tense. Well, I realized that behind the wheel, being tense versus being relaxed, proper structure and position 
um, was, and I was, I've been training, you know, I started training when I was about 16. So, um, for Tai Chi stuff, you know, 40 years ago, the, uh, 41 years ago. And so I had already had some, you know, a few years of training. And so I could tell how tense it was. It wouldn't do me any good. So I started structuring and really relaxing and telling myself that and making sure I was whole body breathing while not into a meditative state, just as an active state, but really good posture and breathing like that. And it got to the point that every time I would feel like, oh man, I'd be like, I, I, I just immediately knew because I was practicing it throughout the day like this, I'm tense. I'm not, you know, okay, relax, structure, breathe. And then I would start doing that. And it became an automatic for me at some point that every time I started to get tense, I didn't have to think, hey, I'm getting tense. Let's fix this. My body, I would immediately go, uh-uh, boom, I'm going to do this correctly. You know, I don't want, uh-uh, I don't want the tension you know, that, 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 that would even start to cross my mind and are already correct and be doing it like that. And so it builds and becomes more of that natural thing because you've, because you've structured it throughout your day like that, even just a little bit each time uh, becomes a lot easier to become your normal habit. So, cool. Yeah. So I, I can't brag about being able to sense mountain lions or bears, but I can, I can sense the difference between a frog and a toad. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell me, tell me that. <laughs> well, so <laughs> what happened is when I was walking, I would, I would really listen to closely the frogs that were in this pond that were croaking. Yeah. So I sensed the energy of them and I was aware of them because of their croaking. Yeah, there's a feel of it to them. I've, I've experienced this. Okay, go ahead. So anyway, so I- I that way, but it makes sense. I learned to feel them uh, just like I learned to feel the energy of trees. So I learned to feel the energy of frogs, but I was never, I never worked on the toads. So when I tried to plug into the energy of toads, they're just unfamiliar. So if, if there's a thing hopping along, if sure. I try to sense the energy, if I can feel it, it's, it's probably a frog. And if I can't feel it, it's probably a toad. I got you. You know, you reminded me of when I was in the middle of a creek looking for uh, whatever I could find reasonably. And I was really looking for, um, which one is it that's under in the water there? Is it salamanders that's, that will be in the water? So I was looking for salamanders and I thought I saw a salamander dive under a rock. So I went over and picked up the rock. It was that, not a salamander. <laughs> that was also when I was about 16 or 17. So, but unforgettable, right? That's, oh, nice salamander. Ah, you know. Face, you know, up up close and personal with a snake that's not real happy that you lifted the rocket with me. So, in the middle of the creek, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so yeah, cool. Um, so the other thing that you would ask about or were interested about um, that caught your eye there was the um, the senses, and that we have the five senses that we know about, but then there are a good, uh, easily another twenty or so senses that we have and in the 12 essential points, um, not in the 12 essential points, I'm sorry, in the, yeah, you got it out of the 12 essential points somehow, we at least talked about that. And then there's a lot more education about it in the intermediate fog on. Um, and so you had something about that that you heard that either caught your ear or your attention or, or your eye if you were watching the, the workshop. For it. Anyways, what was it about that 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 caught your attention? 
I, I don't remember. I'm sorry. The word you used was receptors, but I that I probably used receptors in the in the twelve essential points workshop there, and that the uh, that you were very interested in knowing more about that. The senses for the energetics and chi and root. Well, and yeah, I was wondering if Tai Chi sort of categorized it or had sort of some kind of a list or description of all the different receptors for the different expressions of chi. So historically, I don't know that there is a, like a list that Tai Chi would use where you've got a receptor for feeling elect electricity or feeling magnetism or feeling um, gravity or feeling, you know, like, and true north is one of the, one of the abilities that we have as well, right? At the same time, you're building these uh, senses that, you're then learning how to interpret that information as well, how to perceive it, how to interpret it, right? And use that information. And then you're also learning at some level how to send signal out as well, right? And we have receptors for that. Um, that's what Western science is proving um, without a doubt that we have receptors. Now, what they're not sure about because most people cannot use it, most human beings can't use it, but think about modern society and why would we be able to detect gravity or a magnetic field or true north normally. It's not like we would normally use it so much, right? Um, but what they're finding out is that we do have it. They know that we have capacity to use it because we've got capacity to feel it. Um, and so this is fairly new science, last 15, 20 years that they figured all this out, maybe 25 now, but that's the most, right? And so they're starting to figure out that we have these senses that they did not know about before, neuroscience being the science that kind of studies this in some depth. And um, and we have it, that we have that capacity and all of that, right? And so in the Tai Chi, you're learning how to use those senses, how to, how to basically access them and how to use them. And so it's not like I'm gonna say, well, your receptors for that are here. Although because of Western science, I can tell you where some of those receptors are now because that's what Western science is saying. And it's our scientists that are physically studying this and know we have it. Um, but when I'm, uh, what I'm looking at myself longer term is that if I get somebody and they're trying to feel root, for instance, gravity in a certain way, and they're having trouble with that, if there's a way through that receptor that I can help them or I can check that and see if it's blocked up somehow, well, then that's going to make a big difference in somebody's ability to utilize that thing, right? Sinking your chi is one of the things that helps you to do that so that you get that per permutation, permeation um through your body for that stuff and you're building your your neurological connections your pathways for that which is then making it easier for you to receive that and do stuff there's definitely a very medical a healing um component to this and there are martial ones as well and ones that are just and martial by that i mean even just your own safety and security if you can feel electricity like electrical lines which is what the one that's for the electrical is, and you're under uh, underneath high power electrical lines. A lot of people will be underneath one. They realize at some point that they're starting to feel sick. You know, maybe they've been living there every day, been there every day for hours, every day for three months, four months, five months, and then they actually get physically ill. And maybe it maybe it happens a lot faster than that. But anyways, but if you were able to feel that, and you went underneath the power lines, and you're like, oh, I feel that right now. That feels terrible. 
well, you're not going to keep hanging out there if you've got any sense or can help it because you're going to know right away that feels bad in a way that's not healthy for me. I can feel it. I can tell. You can't, you can't feel the static in the air. Yes, underneath that kind of thing. We also have receptors that we can actually <laughs> perceive chemicals in the air, even if they're ones that are basically odorless. We actually have receptor capacity for that. It's one of the ones that Western science has found. The trick is learning how to tie into this stuff and also how to basically, the bigger concern people get sometimes is, well, so if I'm doing that and I'm feeling the bear and I'm, when my mind's doing that, and I can feel the electrical, oh, maybe I'm just this freak of nature now and I don't live my life anymore. And it's not, that is not how this works. Not for Tai Chi. I can't speak for other systems. But for Tai Chi and certainly with clear Tai Chi, it's this gets integrated into your life the same way that your sight and your smelling and your taste and your hearing and all that is. Um, you know, it's not that I walk around through the day going, oh yeah, I taste cinnamon in the air, right? Or whatever. And so is that, is the fact that you can taste things getting in the way of most of your daily life? And the answer is no. Um, the sight, you know, am I, am I squirrel, um, rabbit, um, fly? You know, am I distracted by every little single thing that goes on in any way, shape, or form? Um, and, and my eyes just tracking everything that moves and everything visually is overwhelming me. And the answer is no. Your eyes are helping you and aiding you in your life, and it's just part of what's there. Now, when you first learn something new, it may be pretty like somebody, like your eyes were closed and somebody opened your eyes and it's like, wow. But you integrate that. And then after a few days, week, two weeks, month, most, I'm talking about month, if you're not doing it all the time, let's say feeling the bear, well, you got to go where the bear are close enough to the bear to be like, I'm not feeling a bear from my house. Or if I do, I'm concerned and I'm calling, you know, the animal control come out here. There's a bear at my house. Yeah. Not had to do that yet. Had a couple of times where it was close though. Um, but anyways, and so how often I get to feel the bear, even in a month where it's nice out, and we're really getting to go to the mountains a lot. It's one or two times a week and probably not every weekend where I'm getting in a position where I can actually feel that. So most of the time it's uh, in terms of that, at least for where the bear is concerned, bear is concerned. I'm not perceiving that because I'm not in the place or position to feel that. I mean, I guess I could reach out with my mind miles and miles and miles, you know, 20, 15, 10 to 20 miles away and feel something, but I'm not doing that. Doesn't mean you couldn't, but I'm, uh, you know, that's the same way I'm not trying to, I can see the mountains from here, but I'm not out there mesmerized by the mountains all day long doing nothing else. I'm living my life, right? Um, and so you integrate it and it becomes a tool that's part of your, who you are, but that is not distracting or taking away from your life. It adds, you know, in that way. And it's just integrated in as part of the whole. And it's, um, you know, used properly, like anything used properly, it really does nice things for you. Used badly, it's going to do bad things for you. Um, but we have to work, you know, if we're doing, if we're using our taste badly, well, you must, you know, maybe you like soda for some reason or taking a liking to soda and you're drinking all kinds of salt and sugar and whatever other chemicals they pour into the soda you're drinking if your eyes are doing that maybe you're looking at porn all day or something you know it's it's what are you doing with that tool um yeah you get the idea if i'm hearing every little um ambient sound that might be going on in any way shape or form and it feels like there's uh like thunder in my head well then my hearing's being a problem with that 
uh, but we're not normally doing that. Uh, and so it becomes, I integrate it. If I want to listen, I can. If I want to see it, I can. If I want to taste it, I can. And if I want to feel whatever it is, I can. And it might be loud enough that it, that it, like if something visually comes screaming across in front of you, you might be like, what is that? And your eyes are definitely attuned and your ears are listening. Um, and so the same thing, the other senses then may be picking up. But it's not like there's a complete distraction there is what I'm getting out of any kind. It's, it really is an integrated part of your life that is then make, enhancing and making things better. So, yeah, go ahead. Two, two points. Uh, one thing, Matt said that something that was really clicked in my mind and he said, and for some of these non, less well-known uh, senses, the sure. way he experienced them is kinesthetically. And that was, oh, suddenly that made it much easier to wrap my head around and explain to other people. That's how I typically approach it is, is like that because that's the easiest for people to do at first, absolutely. Now, some senses, um, you're better off to almost process it. Here's the thing, you've, you've got your sense itself, like your eyes and you see something, but your eyes are not what tell you what that something is. Mm -hmm. Your mind does that. Right. The receptor is the eyes, right? But the processor is the brain. And that's true with all senses. Right. Right. And so that's the thing, that's the thing on it too. And so if you and so a lot of times people are getting some of this information already, most most people, most of the time. They just don't know what it is. So if you look at something, see something, and you've never seen that thing before in any way, your mind can really have a hard time identifying it at all because you've never seen that before. So it doesn't know how to how to how to um, make that into something that you can understand. Same thing if you hear a sound and it's a sound you've never heard before. You feel a sensation. Your doctor will be asking you. You go in and they go, well, what are you getting? This or that or the other thing. I don't know how to describe that. I've never felt that before, you know? And, and so your mind, you, you can feel that it's something, but your mind hasn't been trained yet to process what that is in a way that's communicatable or that you can even fully relate to yet. Um, and so the mind has to, has to, and so the mind training has to do that. And then the spirit has some other things that go on there um, that are very impressive and very specific. Um, but that are but that are definitely properties of spirit as opposed to being properties of body or mind. And one of the things that came up, um, you mentioned that when people do the uh, Falcon training about eight times or so, they start to be able to see energy. Depends on the person. Some some people, you know, they can see energy and they, they even you know before they come in there or on the first or second time. Okay. Uh, Somewhere for the average person, if we take everybody as a, as a you know, we take an average of everybody that, that in America anyways, um, somewhere around the eighth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth time, they start being able to, to perceive the energy and to manipulate the energy without having to use their feel with their hands anymore. So, and, and it really is, they had capacity for it to some degree in the beginning. And it's that they had to build up their understanding and their mind and or their spirit to a place where it was able to actually work with that information and to perceive it and then to interact and then to manipulate it and those kinds of things. And, and then the further along in the Tai Chi practice, at least clear Tai Chi, 
um, the better and, and more easy that comes. So are, are, are they seeing colors or are they just seeing the dis so Depends on the person. Okay. Um, the, uh, I'll just give you my perspective and then you'd have to ask each individual person for their own. I can see color, that happens. I most of the time see it in gradients of, of like, uh, what do they call it, grayscale, you know, black and white. And so I see in gradients between black and white and it looks more like, uh, depending, it can look like a mirage all coming off concrete on a really hot day. Um, to, if you look at, a, trying to kind of say this, have you ever seen anything where it's got like a field around it and you can kind of perceive that the field is there, but it's a, it's a field of whether it be for press, you know, air going out that only goes out so far, um, or, um, like you'll see it off the back of a jet. There's another thing that looks like that heat coming off the concrete, but it look, tends to look more, um, I'm talking about where the fire burners come out, like off a fire. It's like, like a, a gaseous. Like a Corona or a, you know, a gas, like seeing gas, that kind of a thing. And so it doesn't have to be quite so wavy and all that like a mirage. It can have much more of a, just a field. And so it's some of that. Um, and then there's other ways you can see it and perceive it as well. And other things you can perceive in that field, depending that that's what the fog on really gets into and then how to do that to help people and facilitate the healing process. Um, what was it you were asking me exactly? Just how, how well people can feel it or what you were asking me what they see. And so there's that. And then there are color things and all of that. And I've had a few students who were naturally gifted psychics, that kind of thing. And they come in the door being able to see color. And then a lot of times they're perceiving things in a different, very different way than most people do. Okay. Um, and that's, that doesn't mean that under the right mind states development that other people aren't getting some of that because I know that they have, uh, but it's less common to get it that way. The grayscale is very common. Now that may just be because I'm the teacher and that's how I typically am looking at things. Uh, but I've seen it where I've seen it where I was looking at the energy of people and things around me and see it in just very brilliant technicolor. Doesn't happen a lot, but it does happen. Um, and I can access it where I can where I can turn up the volume on that a bit. One of the tricks to all this kind of thing is to be able to turn the volume way up, and then you really can use that thing, and then also to turn that volume way down, not off, but way down, so that it's so that it's like it's off but you can still really quickly, easily turn it up and use that, but it's not driving you nuts or interact or messing up your day or anything else. It's just a skill that you now have, like I said. Cool. So one thing that, that um, this whole business about, if you don't have a concept of something, sometimes you can't perceive it even though it's right there. Right. The story that when Christopher Columbus landed on whatever island he did in the Caribbean, he was in these big ships. Yep. But the Indians, the, the native people that were on the island had never seen a big ship. Right. So even though there was this big ship that was huge, the India, the, the natives didn't see the ships. That's right. Yep. I've heard this before. Yeah. So yeah, they couldn't even see them. Yeah, which is we really weird when you think about it, but it's it was yeah. They said they saw clouds. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So they yeah. saw something, but it was they couldn't define it. Yeah, that's cool. They yeah, because this, 
Yeah, go ahead. Clouds. The great big sales to them look, you know, like what they saw against the sky every day, which yeah. was clouds. And so they just they didn't even look twice. And and um, and um, there was some ritual involving the shaman that like opened their eyes to it. But yeah, huh. like he knocked him on the head, and and, and then they could see it. <laughs> Well, thank you, man. That's, that's at least the version that I heard. I don't know how accurate that is, but that... so that that makes perfect sense that they would have seen something, but they didn't see the ships. But they they would have perceived the sails, and they would have interpreted them as as clouds. That makes perfect sense. Thank you. There was, a, there was a tribe, and I wish I could be more specific about this. That a scientist did a study on, and they didn't have a word for the color blue. Uh huh. And they had not conceived yeah. of one, and so when they would look at blue, what they would see was green. <laughs> they literally didn't have or the they didn't see anything. They didn't. They were colorblind in that color of blue. They couldn't see it. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, we learned them in perceptual psychology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're saying in perceptual psychology class they taught about that. About that tribe, yeah, and because about of that, that yeah, yeah. They, it's a, it's an example. It's considered an example now of of the the most likely like chain of evolution of color perception. Um, that like blue yellow receptors uh or is it as blue orange i guess blue orange receptors um are the um or whatever one whatever pair that is it would was the latest one to develop and that that tribe just hadn't actually like developed it yet that they were like evolutionarily like one step shy of like the rest of humanity on the visual spectrum in that way Green is the most important color because um, you have to perceive the difference between like predators in the wild against the green of, you know, nature. So I think the primary colors are red, yellow, and blue. Yeah. I think are the primary colors. The, the, yeah, those are the primary colors in pigment and the primary colors in light are uh, uh, red, blue, green. Like the TV, you know, like the TV. Yeah, right. <laughs> but anyways, they couldn't see it, and so and so and yeah, so they couldn't see the color. But it's because they hadn't, as well as what he's saying, they didn't, they hadn't had the development for it. They could see green, and so when they saw blue, I think, and Matt sounds like he knows more about it. Um, is it that they basically would categorize blue as green or did yep. they just, see, yeah, I think that's what it was. And it was a version of green. And so they started teaching them to distinguish between the two. Is that, uh, is that correct? Or do you not know for sure? He is frozen. <laughs> the, uh, anyways, but you get the idea of what I'm talking about there that, that, you know, once they had a word for it and some other things it was in all of that. Then it was they were more able to they were able to get that how much of a difference they could see and all that i don't know you'd have to be i'd have to ask him to tell you anyways the uh but you get what i'm saying is that because they hadn't really perceived it and it wasn't it wasn't existing in a certain kind of way in nature like that for them now you could say blue sky but what color blue are we talking about Do you follow what I'm saying, Bill? Uh, <laughs> I'm drawing a blank. I said the uh, that for like sky is blue, right? But what color of blue? Oh, right. Yeah. So there are all kinds of variations. Is 
deep right. blue. And so they would see it as a different thing, is my point. And then the, the idea that blue is blue, they couldn't relate to it because they didn't even have a word for it. Yeah, right. The, uh, all right. Um, good. Yeah. You've talked about being able to learn how to turn these abilities up. Yeah. And, I, and I know that, but you don't usually talk about how to turn them down. Yeah, because most people come in the door, they can't do it. <laughs> the opposite the problem. problem turning it down. It's that up part that's that seems to be the problem. But yeah, once somebody's got it going on, then yeah, the next step would be to be able to modulate to control that. You know, just like with your eyes, if we turn a bright light on your face, you know how to squint and and to, to ease that off a lot, right? Mm -hmm. But if you can't see very well, or we put you in a dark room that's got a little bit of light in it, your eyes will adjust. And there's tricks that if you know them, you can make your eyes adjust a lot faster. Right? Right. And so then you can see more. Well, the other senses too, we, we tune out people all the time, mostly our spouses. The, uh, <laughs> and, and we can hear things, we hear things. I heard that, you know, kind of the stuff and, and turn that up and those kind of things too. And so the same thing with other senses and the same thing with these other ones also. And so in the beginning, it's, I'm just trying to help somebody get it turned on. But if somebody's like, man, I've really got that. Okay. Then it's, how do we turn that down a little bit? And if it's something like the ability to feel an electrical field that would be to the level of being harmful to you, I'm not a fan of turning that down. If I'm in that kind of a field, I want to know. At the same time, if I'm feeling the lights in the house and every every wire in my house, no, that's you've got it up too loud. You want to be able to turn it up that way, maybe. But your normal should be that's not bothering you, right? It's it's if there was a problem with it, you'd want to know, which means there's a level there. And so it's it's like that. But in the beginning, most people they can't, they're not using that sense at all. They don't have the relationship to it, they don't have a mental construct. Or a way to identify and so it's really getting it online and getting things up and moving like that and, and a lot of it being tied directly into the health processes in the body both your own and other people's and a lot of people don't think of the body as having having energy like that and achieve but our body is an electrical system and there's an electrical field to it and there is a mag and it's also a magnetic system and there's a magnetic field to it and there's a gravitational aspect both to the center of the body. And then when you're like rooted and aligned correctly as well, and being able to both sense that for yourself and others. And when you have those fields and, and feeling and sensitivity in those fields and those, and those kinds of energy and all of that, and you're working with it, you get to where you can manipulate that and you manipulate it so that, it, so that you can take it to a state of health for yourself and for other people. And so it's going there to begin with. That's that's obviously not obviously, but that's what it's after. And then if somebody were attacking you, it's how to disrupt those fields and somebody else too. And that's part of the advanced martial aspect of Tai Chi. Not a lot of people running around that can do that. Um, it is in our system, it is at a high level. Though probably the biggest mistake people make when they, if they've got that kind of ability and it's a Tai Chi master, most of the people have gone up at, with the title Tai Chi master in front of MMA people have not been Tai Chi masters. They're a Tai Chi teacher, maybe, right? And even then, uh, suspect, I'll put it that way, just watching how they interact for the fighting part, it's usually been really stupid, uh, where Tai Chi doesn't move and fight like that. It moves and fights very differently than that. 
And so either they're lacking information or they just got too full of themselves and, and didn't take reality into account very well. Um, and so what a lot of people don't get is that the energy on a, I'll use the, the example here is I'll use somebody who's 20 and full of piss and vinegar and testosterone up and really conditioned and really super healthy. Their energy is very strong and it adjusts very quickly. And when you're trying to exert influence on them, that doesn't mean you can't have some influence, but it's a lot different than influencing somebody who is at 40 years old plus, old or older and isn't quite, you know, in, to that level of healthy eating and that healthy conditioning and all that stuff. I mean, the, the, the sicker, weaker, older, um, more unhealthy the body, the easier it's going to be to influence it either way, healthy or for Marshall and the stronger and healthier and younger and more conditioned and more ready and more on that it is that it's going to be that much harder to influence, not just for the Marshall, even for the health too, because if, especially if they're really healthy, you're trying to take it to a better state of health. If they're unhealthy, their system will still fight going to that state of health more too, depending on what we're talking about here. Um, because their body is just the energy itself is going to be stronger. And so it's going to want to kind of hold to the pattern that it's in more than it's going to want to go to a different pattern. And, but if the good news is if they're wanting to be healthy and you're working with them on being healthy, then you can talk them through and go, you, you know, you're wanting it to be healthy like this, right? And it's yes. Okay. Help me and breathe and relax and move this way in order to facilitate that response. But they're going to have to work with you if they're going, I don't want that. Um, even if it's just in, in their mind, you know, they're not telling you, um, their body's going to try to hold the pattern that it's in, as opposed to what you're trying to get it to do, even for, even to take it to a health state, depending on what the situation is. Um, yeah, the, uh, okay. And the, the, and the 12 essential points will help get you there. That's at 12 essential points.com. That's 12 essential points. Dot com. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Sifu, I've tried to get to it several uh, different ways, and I haven't gotten to the to the website. I ah, we just purchased that website last night, and so okay. it won't be up until probably uh, he still got it finished rendering from the workshop last weekend. By the time anybody outside of you guys hears this, that's all going to be in place. So if you're hearing this, it's in place for the guys on the call right now. Give it a couple days. Uh, probably even Tuesday, Wednesday of next week before that's really fully up. Okay, because it's going to uh, out to all of my students. Yeah. Would the 12 be 1-2 or spelled out, T-W-E-O? I did both. Okay. We did both. We bought both. Very smart. That way, that way. No issue. Ideally, ideally, I would go with the one we'll be officially using for ourselves is probably 12essentialpoints.com, 1-2 essentialpoints.com the uh but we bought the 12 and that way anyway anybody goes looking for it they ideally would be able to find it cool cool phil did you have anything else that you were asking me wanting to know about the receptors or anything that ties into the 12 essential points a bit you know the relaxation is part of that the whole body breathing is part of that being really sung is part of that sinking the chi and the root calming everything is part of that um using your e and the ting uh, to mutually harmonize, manipulate, and be aware of the internal, inner, and outer 
uh, the chi, the yin and yang states, and the interactions of body, mind, spirit, and energy, whole body all at once, individual parts, um, head to toe, self and others, and then the different training for that, which we get into um, how that is, what that is, and the 12 essential points. The, uh, anyways, um, all that, so. Yeah, and I guess the other the other part, I just had sort of an insight into the importance of relaxation because if if you're not relaxed, very subtle things, you just won't feel it. That's right. So I, that was just, I kind of knew that, but all of a sudden it's sort of, as a result of, uh, of the session we had last week, it was like, yeah. oh yeah, that's, an, that's another explanation of why relaxation is so important. Yeah, the example I like to use as a basic one is if you if you put your hands on somebody's arm and you're trying to feel their pulse, think about think about feeling their pulse and feel what your body and your mind does in order to feel their pulse. So think about putting your hands on somebody and go to feel their pulse and watch what your body does. It relaxes and it shifts and actually moves and calms and does a number of things because if you don't do those things, you can't feel their pulse. It's, there's a certain kind of a quiet, but it's not just a quiet at the ear level because you're not even doing that. You're feeling them. And there's an inner quiet, right? And then a physical quiet and all that. Yeah, you, know, you get the idea and the calm and, and all that stuff. And, and it's to achieve and to do it. And there's a reaching quality to it as well. Yeah, reaching out with your mind. Um, and people may think it's with their hand, but once your hand's on there, how can it reach in any further? You're already in contact with them. If you squeeze, you can't feel them. And so it has to stay soft. And yet your mind is reaching out and in there and feeling, and it's your hearing with your body or trying to, right? And so absolutely. Hearing or seeing or feeling or, you know. Yep. Cool. Matt? Nope. Um, yeah, so uh to um i guess just just expound a little bit on so so for the so for the 12 essential points what i really got out of that i think ties in a lot with what we've just been talking about which is it really became clear to me why e is a separate and really like critical training level um I, I, I knew that it was because of the roadmap lecture and I knew kind of reasonably why it fit in the progression where it did because of that. Like I understood the kind of the rationale for it, but I didn't really fully appreciate the need for it so much um, until I saw the 12 essential points and the way that um, that we went through it you know, this, uh, this time around for the filming of what is, uh, of what is available at, at 12 essential points.com. Um, the, the, the depth of everything that you need to feel and experience, um, the, just the whole body breathing alone, like to, to, to really know that it's going into every part of your body and to really feel that your mental capacity has to be at a certain kind of level um, and you know a certain you have to have a certain ability to distinguish all the parts of your body and whether or not they are filling or emptying or whatever and then to have 11 other points you know really got kind of 10 other points going on plus 
doing, you know, being able to do it while standing and moving and all the, the different variations, um, you know, to be able to keep track of all of that and to be sensitive to all of that, you really need to put extra time and attention into your mental training and your mental capacity. And so like, I really got that. Like it really became very clear why that's not just an important step in the process, but absolutely a necessary critical step in the training process on the way to mastery. And then the, um, you know, the, the, all, all of the different, um, you know, aspects of it, I found fascinating. It really hit home to me. Um, it helped me, uh, look at everything from another framework because I had the roadmap and I have kind of other frameworks for, uh, for understanding how all the pieces fit together and where and why and that, but the 12 essential points is another way of looking at things that helps me kind of put everything in its proper place. Now I can see much more clearly like, Oh, when we're working on that, that is a drill to help us develop this essential point. And really the way that we're doing it is focusing in on this aspect of this essential point in order to strengthen our understanding of that point as a whole. And like, it really kind of helps me put all the pieces together into a good sort of proper place and, and have a good understanding of what we're doing and why we're doing it in yet another in a completely different way, like through a completely different lens than, um, than the roadmap gives you. Um, it's just another great sort of big picture thing. And then we got to work on so much cool stuff while we were doing it too. So, you know, so that was fun. The roadmap is what's the address. Oh, that, that's a, that's a Tai Chi roadmap.com. Um, that's for the roadmap.com. Yeah which is also a great training that takes you through kind of the, the training steps, but. Well, it takes you more through the level um, the 12th. from beginner up to master. And then there are aspects right. within those that have to do with the training steps. Um, and the 12 essential points would ideally start most of that at the beginning and certainly as, as early as you could, and then would go through all those levels with you um, doing that. So it's, yeah. it's an interesting overlap. It's a Tai Chi as an Tai Chi twin as an art form. Um, it's, it's simple enough in its pieces, each individual piece and all that. But when you start looking at what really the infrastructure of what builds a true Tai Chi high level practitioner, uh, player, master level, those kind of things, it's a very sophisticated, deep art and utilizing at least with our with clear tai chi the most simple routes and path to get there uh, but it takes people so many years typically to get towards a master level because there's a lot included in that package there's a lot there's a lot there to unpack so to speak yep okay is that was that what you had for now um, yeah, I guess that's, uh, that's probably good for now. I'm, I'm always, um, I always love to talk about the, you know, the, the, what we were talking about with opening up receptors and waking up different senses. Um, and, uh, you know, I have a certain background in that academically and a certain understanding of that through like study of languages and pronunciation and developing an ear for different kinds of pronunciations and all that stuff. So like, I find that a fascinating t subject and I could probably gab about that with everybody for the next hour, but I think we, 
talked a lot about it already. I think people kind of get the idea. So that, you know, you a really big, important. Part. Yeah. So let me ask you this. So you said E specifically. So that's E like mind, directed mind intent, right? Um, the, uh, and so you, something out of the 12 essential points caught you about E, about that mind intent that way, specifically what, Oh, well, just the, um, if you don't have that strong E and that, that strong capacity for that, if you, if you haven't really extra trained that ability, it would be impossible to keep track of everything you need to keep track of at the level that you need to keep track of it just at Lee alone. And then when you add in, you know, chi understandings, um, and like Jing expressions and the extra sophistications to be able to perceive it and feel it and recognize it and understand it for what it is and feel it through your whole body and, you know, in and out and every part of you opening and closing and, you know, the whole body breathing all at the same time, everything going on and to be able to track it all, like you just can't do that without a really developed mind. You just can't. And so like, I always thought, I always had this question lingering, like why, why couldn't you just kind of go from chi to Jing? Why couldn't you just learn how to, once you've got the chi and you've built it and you can feel it and you can kind of start to manipulate it, why don't you just start manipulating it? And I really, the, what the, the going through the 12 essential points this way really let me understand why, like why you really want to take a beat and just extra develop your mind and your mental capacity for, you know, for everything that it can do and all of that. And it is very powerful on its own. And so it's worth it just for that. But then why that ability would be so critical for really moving forward and really progressing on to mastery, like you do need an extra step there to build that capacity before you're really ready to, to do anything more with it just because of how much there is there. Yep. So the art is a discipline. And when you first learn the, the arts, first start learning, typically you're learning a form most places. And so the discipline is in memorizing the moves and using those moves and, and making sure that they're reasonably structurally, posturally uh, correct and alignment and breathing, full body breathing and those kinds of things. And so there's, uh, and so in the beginning, ideally it's done simply enough, easily enough that the average person can come in and pick that up and use it for the stress management or for just, you know, moving around and easing their aches and pains and those kinds of things. And then once they really got those moves, then the work, the gong, uh, the qigong, uh, the gong, gong, um, that work becomes the thing that you're doing and you do that to the point that that becomes automatic. So it's not that you're like at your advanced level going, is my structure correct? And those kind of things, because ideally you've been practicing long enough to where, like for me, if I'm doing it and my structure is not right to a level, it feels like crap. And so I'm, and then I immediately adjust that and fix that. But I'm not having to think about that most of the time because it's an automatic. Uh, when having chi level stuff activated and the nigong, the internal work, is being done correctly, same thing. If that's not on, I'm like, I feel like somebody unplugged the, um, you know, if I'm, a, if I'm an appliance, I got unplugged from the wall. I don't have any juice. What's going on here? And so that also becomes an automatic, but you build them in and then you start layering through like the roadmap talks about. 
and but you do the exercises and all that so that you really know the thing as opposed to just doing the thing if you're doing the thing that's always going to have a problem of how much stuff you're trying to stack into that space and mentally keep track of if you do that level of thing and you own it then it becomes now add on to what i own with this next level of understanding whether that be breath or relaxation or sinking the chi or um upper and lower mutually following properly using your e with those things manipulating it so that you've got jing coming through those things access of spirit as part of that process in and through you whatever the level is but that you've built to there that doesn't mean you need to put years and years and years into each level before you can go to the next level it does mean that you put enough time and effort into each level so that you know if it's like do your form you're not like looking like somebody that's been doing this for two days and doesn't know anything yet you look like somebody that's been you know put if i if i say hands up hands down and you've done it every day for the last week and i go okay do hands up up down you know you might not look like somebody's been doing it for 20 years but reasonably or if i said hey wave your hand like that you know most people can wave their hand like that um and they're not going to struggle for that if i said now do it and breathe and fill up your whole body Oh, I'm having to think about that a little more. We'll make that the natural. So that every time you do that, that's already on. Now do it and feel with your mind the air that's passing around you or, or you know, any number of other things. The, uh, and so you start stacking it in there and building it in so that it becomes the natural process. But anybody else duplicating what you do, they still got to put in all that work. Um, it's not like they can come out there first day and it's like they've got the, the 10 or 12 items deep all happening at once in the place that's a skilled trained body even though it's not just with the form it's with all these internal aspects happening and on at the same time some of the karate players that are the more skilled ones um that have to do with the uh i almost said dinsu but but that's not the word that they use for it anyways some of your pressure point guys that are doing the higher level kind of aspects of, of karate type stuff, they'll call it players to the game. And there's a bunch of players and how many of them are on and automatic for you. And that's, that's what you want kind of going on. But anyways, all right, good deal. Sheila last, but not or actually, nope. Next to last, not least. Hi. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> When, when you're later on in the call, mostly everything's been said. So this has been a super interesting conversation today. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, and I also really loved the, um, the breathing aspects, the rooting aspects, so many things. Um, mostly, I would say people who are interested in today's conversation, I would really recommend um, looking at the, um, the roadmap. Because it really goes hand in hand with the with the oh, the twelve elements, and uh, it's such an enormous help to be able to see where you're at and where you can go. And during the the twelve essentials workshop, um, that was kind of my guide, and and I could see the roadmap in every one of the twelve steps, and so that was very helpful to already be familiar with that before. I, before I participated in the workshop. And um, as far as what I share with my students, um, really I've been focused for the past several months 
on anything about breathing and relaxing due to the current, you know, environment of possible yeah. infection with corona. And, and so, and yeah. yeah. And so those are the things that kind of pop for me when I'm listening to anything that you're saying. But of course, um, I, I love it all. <laughs> and I got to say that I'm kind of tickled to hear everyone talk about connecting to animals and plants today because, I mean, I'm a biologist, right? So um, I think one of the reasons that that, that uh, field attracted me was because I had this kind of natural affinity as a child to connect to the animals and, and plants around me. Um, so it's kind of, uh, it's, it's nice to know that there's a group you can say that to, that you don't stick out like a sore thumb because that's not always the case. So, yeah. so thank you everyone for, <laughs> for being my tribe. And um, I guess the thing that impressed me as an individual the most that, that kind of caught my attention um, just because, you know, I, I just uh, needed more of that is, is a little bit theoretical, but, and I'm not even sure what they're called. What do you, um, is it the foundations, the, the, the uh, Peng and Ong and Kao and... You mean Peng Lujian and all that? Yeah. Yeah, those are the 13 Xi or like the 13, I'm trying to remember what the word Xi means, but basically so, 13 gates or um, there, and it doesn't mean gate. Anyways, they're... So, yeah, the Xi. Yeah, they're basically um, like foundational, physical, as well as going to energetic, uh, energetics, energies that are kind of considered a lot of times the foundational ones, the ones that they'll teach in order first. And that, and Pung, for example, is this expanding um, kind of an energy, right? And in a certain, and there's some other properties to that. The, uh, um, and so it's sort of the order of, and then Lu rollback, which is basically taking whatever's coming in and, and figuring out how to get it so that it basically sheds off of you as opposed to penetrating inwards towards you. And you use Pung with that rollback to get that. Kind of like a basketball on, you put it in water and then you try to put your finger on it and push down, it's gonna tend to roll off and out of the way, right? This kind of a thing. And yet it's got some buoyancy to it. And it's also got that expansiveness to it. And so those are the first two at Peng Lu. Those are the first two energies happening. Um, and so it's really foundational in a certain kind of a way. And they are, they are part of it. Um, and certainly when you're looking at Jing, they're the first eight Jings and then the other stuff is all directional and postural, you know, central 13 is the, is the one where it's basically straight up and down. I look at 13 as really in a certain way being number one because it really has to do with structure, central central structure. Um, and then the other ones are like left, right, forward, back, um, out of those five. And then the other ones are all, they have to do with energy or expressions of body state in some kind of a way. Um, yeah, and so what was your point about those or what were you, asking, what were you saying about that? Oh, those? just that, yeah, I've heard them mentioned and you know, I had kind of a, a more superficial idea about what was, you know, what that referred to. But after doing the 12 essential um, points of clear Tai Chi the other day, um, I, I have a much better grip on what they're referring to and just the, the way you, yeah, and the, a kind of an application or the, you know, not so much application, but like, but real examples, physical, and, yeah. and even that moved up through 
the roadmap in a way. So you could see how you practice it physically, but then it comes into, um, you know, other layers as you, yeah. as you learn Pung, then you can apply it, you know, energetically or mentally and right. spiritually, et cetera. And yeah, so that, that yeah, to me, would roadmap be... layers with it to give some understanding. Yeah. Briefly, quick, exactly. but quickly, but, but definitely being shown. And that's in the, that is in the 12 essential points.com. Yes. And that, yeah, and that, that, that to me was super interesting, and um, I'm not sure I would say that was the most major thing, but it's the one that has um, touched upon in this conversation yeah, yet, so yeah. <laughs> that's why I brought that up. You right now, yeah, sure, at your level and where you're at, absolutely. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Jerry? Um, yeah, so a couple things. Uh, the, the first one that kind of sticks out there to me is just a re relaxation part of it. Um, <clears throat> Not only just relaxing the body, which uh, obviously is essential, just relaxing, but also to sung the mind with the body. Uh, and, and once you really do that, everything kind of goes deeper and more integrated and more connected. Uh, and it kind of kind of is that last little piece in the puzzle that that ties the whole sung body together. Um, <clears throat> so that one kind of stood out to me in terms of of an essential part of Tai Chi. And then the, the second one was um, just <clears throat> the energetic that cuts off once you cross the center line um, while moving with Tai Chi and keeping the form from crossing center line as you're doing it. Doing the form and not crossing center line and being very aware of that. Uh, and it's either both hands cross center or neither hand cross the center. And there's more in there about that. Or they're on center. Correct. Yeah, they're yeah. both on center. Both on center. Uh, just being aware of that with the form, uh, just something I just have. I was aware of the energetic loss once you cross one side of your body with one limb, uh, but just hadn't really incorporated into the form properly. So that one also. Yeah, that'll change things up. Yep. Cool. Excellent. The uh, any other any other things anybody wanted to talk about or mention or anything else today? Nope. All right, and I look forward to interacting with you more. Um, for us here, it's going to be Christmas in a week. Um, when you're hearing this, it's going to be some other time of the year, most likely, almost certainly, and all of that. But Merry Christmas to everybody here. And for those, if, if anybody's seeing this before Christmas this week, um, then Merry Christmas to you. And anyways, all that good stuff. Look forward to talking to you guys more soon. And be well, and hopefully and I'll talk to you. Happy New Year, too. And Happy New Year. And hopefully a better new year for all of us. We'll see how it goes. Um, all right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Sifu. Good discussion. Right. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Talk to you next year. Cool.